So I went to school for civil engineering. During college, I did a co-op program. So I would work for a semester, go back to school for a semester, back to work. Um, and through that, I realized that there's a lot of parts of engineering that I liked, but it didn't really touch on all of me. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Big decisions. You know how these work. Our brains usually fight us, and they want us to stay in our comfort zones. Plus, if you're like me, you can turn nearly anything into logic. Yes, I know I'm not loving work and my boss is a little way overbearing, but there could be another opportunity four months from now. Many people find themselves torn when it comes to a choice like staying in the same place versus making a career change. <laughs> they know, you might even know, and feel deep down inside that something's not right, but we still struggle with taking a chance to actually make a change. Why on earth do we fight what we know to be true in our core? That's that's the question we're going to dig into today. We see how others reach their goals and we think we must follow in their footsteps to reach the same success, but the truth is, we don't have to follow them. If you want to take more control of your life, <laughs> then this episode is absolutely for you. This is an opportunity for you to meet Jason Bullman, who made a really unique career change inside the same company. And you're going to learn how he created his own career opportunity along the way. Hey, and by the way, this is actually a part of our series where we have been sharing with you a story and a change that someone has made. And then fast forwarding into the future to see what has been the impact over time, sometimes a year, sometimes multiple years in the future, so that you can get a good understanding, not just of that snapshot, but the whole entire impact of making a career change that really fits. So let's go back to where Jason was two years ago. So I just have started a new role where I oversee the offerings that our company puts together for how we sell our product to the clients and how the the team delivers that. And kind of as part of the offerings that I'm putting together, big focus on training. So I have a couple of training developers under me that are putting e-learnings, training guides, training our consultants. So I get to kind of run that portion of the business. That is super cool. That is a ton of... I've had hands in all around that type of stuff before. That can be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. But you haven't always been doing that, as it turns out. And this That's is true. much more of a recent change, right? So there's quite a few things, as I understand it, talking with Lisa, and she shared a little bit of your story. By the way, you worked with Lisa Lewis. And for those of you that don't know Lisa, you can go back to happentoyourcareer.com slash 147 and take a listen to Lisa's story. But before that, you have had quite the career. So where does this start for you way back? Not even the job before this necessarily, but if we go back even further, what did the beginnings of your career look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to school for civil engineering. So quite a little bit of ways away from working at a software company that I am today. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, during college, I did a co-op program. So I would work for a semester, go back to school for a semester, back to work. And through that, I realized that there's a lot of parts of engineering that I liked, but it didn't really touch on 
all of me. I was finding myself leaving work, going back to campus, getting really involved in campus ministry and getting involved in a fraternity and being really active on campus and realizing that engineering was not all of me. So I kind of explored doing some volunteering after I graduated and I settled on a teaching program um, in Omaha, Nebraska. So I went to Omaha and taught for two years while working on a master's degree and taught middle school math and really enjoyed it, but very quickly learned that teaching was not my thing either. So I didn't realize you had a detour over to Omaha. Oh my I goodness. Did. I've spent some time in Omaha. Almost moved there, actually. Very, very close to moving there. There's a lot of really cool things about it that I just did not know when I visited Omaha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, my wife and I you know, really enjoyed our time there and considered kind of settling in permanently, but it was just a, a little bit further away from family than we like. So we moved a little closer to home. But yeah, Omaha was a great experience with city. Absolutely. Very cool. So you went down there and you were teaching there and determined after being in <laughs> Omaha and that it's further away from family that, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. So what happened from there then? Absolutely. So fortunately, you know, coming from teaching position, you know, I kind of had a summer as kind of a buffer to figure out what was next. So I did some reflection and tried to figure out where would be a good fit of my engineering and my education background and found technical consulting. So kind of getting into more of a software space, working with clients, but working with something that's still fairly technical. And it seemed to kind of have all the things that I wanted. And once I got into the company. I actually started as a help desk. Not a lot of places were seeming to be willing to put me in a consulting role coming out of teaching and education following engineering background. So I started out at help desk, learned the software, you know, yeah. did really well, kind of showed the abilities that I did have. And I was able to move over to a consulting position and then eventually move up into managing a team of consultants. So hold on, back up here for a second, because I think you just glossed over a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure took place in order for those things to happen. It wasn't like you walked in necessarily and you started help desk and then boom, hey, let's get this guy in managing the team. I'm guessing, shot in the dark, that that probably wasn't the case. So I'm super curious, what happened in between there that took you from one spot to another to another? Because I'm guessing some things enabled that for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think in part coming into the help desk position, I didn't want to be a support analyst for my career. I knew that getting into a more client facing role was something that I was striving for. So the way that played out is really, I was just always eager to learn. You know, I was on a portion of the software that focused on our multifamily division, but always looking at, well, how does the report writer work? And how does the financial portion work? And let me look at the development piece for you know people that are building up new buildings and things like that. So just kind of a constant hunger going above and beyond what was expected. And I think that really helped me kind of give a resume, so to speak, to the consulting team that I wasn't just going to come in and do the status quo that I wanted to keep pushing. it. So that definitely was helpful in making the transition from the help desk to consulting. Interesting. And I'm curious, going from teaching into making that initial move, was that a difficult decision for you? Or was that something that's like, was very obvious that you needed to do it and move forward? And I'm partially curious because like right now we're in the middle of the summer and we get so many teachers that now find the podcast and other things like that because they're in summer. They've got time to think and reflect mm-hmm. and everything else along those lines. And honestly, a lot of teachers 
don't make the move, even though they feel like they should. So what was that like for you? Was that difficult? Why did you decide to do that in the first place? What tipped you over the edge? Yeah, absolutely. I think during the teaching program that I was a part of, you know, became very apparent that I love kids. I like to think I did pretty well as a teacher, but I became pretty apparent that I didn't have what it takes to be a teacher full time for my career. You know, I struggled dealing with the parents. You know, I know I was looking for kind of some getting more into the complexities of kind of problem solving and troubleshooting. Whereas, you know, the lesson plans were kind of consistent from the first year to the second year. Yep. So just it hit on a number of key pieces that were, were helpful for me, but again, kind of the whole package. Yeah. So there was a lot of frustration. I think I was struggling to try to make things happen and really get the deep analytical pieces of me that I had in engineering. I feel like I kind of lost that in education. Interesting. That totally makes sense to me, especially Lisa has shared bits about your story with me. You strike me as the type of guy who can really sink your teeth into mm-hmm. difficult or complex problems. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the details. Yeah. Give me lists and, and let me dive in and really see things from top to bottom. Okay, that totally makes sense then. So you're absolutely not getting some of that and needing so much more of that as you're in this teaching role and you end up making the move and going into into help desk and taking some, I think, great steps that cause you to move through the ranks pretty quickly, it sounds like, which is very cool. So what happened from there, Jason? Yeah, so working as a consultant, you know, I was doing a lot of projects kind of on my own, running really efficiently. The the management team didn't really need to check in on me too much. I was kind of running my little portion of the business pretty well and slowly started to kind of mentoring the younger consultants and taking the portions of the software that I knew, training them so that they could take on those portions of the trainings that I was doing and move on to bigger, better things. And, you know, there was an opportunity, one of the managers left the company and pursued another opportunity. And so I had already kind of expressed a desire for taking on more and had proven that I was doing all right in my current role. Yeah. So the leadership team gave me a shot as managing, you know, a group of of consultants. Very cool. So they brought you on board and you're now managing this team of consultants, which sounds awesome. And I think from the outside probably looks like pretty great job. So what on earth happened? over the course of time that caused you to say, hey, this isn't right for me anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's, you have it right there, Scott. I mean, this looked like on the outside, the ideal position for me, a combination of working with clients, doing very kind of more technical, deep diving things, being a leader, which is always something that has interest me, managing a team and it seemed like everything was going to be good. And then, you know, one day I was on the road traveling to visit a client and kind of looked up and went, what am I doing? This should be everything that I want. It should be hitting all the right things. And for some reason, it just doesn't feel right. And I feel like I struggled with that for a while before really asking for help pursuing a career coach. You know, I kind of sat with it and talked with family and friends and, you know, prayed about it, journaled, you know, try to figure out what is wrong, but this looks right on paper, but it just doesn't feel right when I wake up in the morning. What do you feel like after going through all that? You know that deep down, you sort of know something isn't right, but what did you determine were some of those things that actually weren't right, were misaligned or whatever else it might be after after going through all the journaling and talking with people and everything like that? Mm-hmm. Great question. You know, I think in part, you know, this didn't come out until a lot later, but you uh-huh. know, realizing that there's a, a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug in me, so to speak. There's a, a desire to run my own business 
someday. You know, Lisa really helped me kind of help uncover that. But I think that was part of why I was struggling to really pinpoint. I grew up, you know, my dad was successful in business, working as an employee, moving into an executive level. You know, I thought that was the path to go. That that sounded right. He enjoyed it. It seemed like that, you know, that was a good place for me to go. And not until after working with Lisa did I realize that, you know, I have a desire to branch out, do my own thing someday. So, you know, I think that was part of it. I think the environment, you know, the leadership team that I was a part of, you know, wasn't as fruitful as I would have hoped. I really enjoyed the people I managed, the team that I led, a lot of the work that they were doing. But my upline was not one that I gelled with as much as I would have liked it to. I didn't feel like I was on a part of a team in the way that I was leading my team. So I think it was kind of a combination of a desire to branch out on my own one day and not necessarily being in the right environment for me. Interesting. I mean, that makes a ton of sense too, because let's be honest, the boss or leaders or the folks that you're working with in that capacity, if you aren't, I mean, you said gelling, but whether it's you feel supported <laughs> and whatever that looks like, if that's not lining up, then that's one of the biggest things. I mean, if you go to tons of research that has a huge impact on your level of happiness within your role, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that is incredibly important. So first of all, kudos to you for actually doing something about it. What was the point or what was the period of time where you said, hey, look, I'm done journaling. I'm done talking to people about this, mm -hmm. but I need to actually do something to be able to change this situation. What took place in order for you to get that? Great question. You know, I think in part, it was one of my close friends. He had hired a, a business coach. Yeah. He is in the process of kind of launching his own professional speaking, career cool. coaching type of company and hired a coach and just talked about how beneficial it was and how it's good to have that accountability partner, someone to ask the challenging questions to keep you moving in the right direction. You know, so I think it was partly that and it was partly, you know, my wife and some of my closer friends kind of getting tired of me asking the same questions <laughs> and, and talking through the same things uh, that I realized, all right, I better go get some professional help instead of just kind of complaining and brainstorming with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So part of it was you seeing other people. And then part of it was your wife giving you the boot saying, hey, stop complaining and start doing something about this. <laughs> exactly. I love you, but we got to stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up. Totally understand that. Been there, in fact. Mm -hmm. Alyssa will tell you that, yeah, we've had more than one conversation. Oh my goodness. So... That is interesting because I didn't know that part of the story at all, but that makes complete sense knowing some of the other pieces. So as you started embarking on this journey, then what did you go through to get to the point? Because now you've made the shift in roles, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I would say that there's two things going on here, if I understand correctly. One is that you've made a shift to a role that is much better in alignment for now, but also you still have this desire to do something on your own and build something on the side as well. Am I perceiving that right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is a great role for me currently, but it's allowing me to develop some of the skills that I will need to branch out on my own. I know that this is kind of a shorter term gig, so to speak, knowing that I will be moving on to something on my own, but it's a good gig to have along the way. To be honest, Jason, that's part of the reason why I was interested in talking to you, because I think that that is real world for how some of these things happen. And I think mm -hmm. many of us were just like, how do I get to the point where I have $4 million and like mm -hmm. I'm spending 100% of my days just like doing whatever the heck it is that I want to do. But what I think most people don't realize and are unwilling to do 
is the things that happen in between there. And at the same time, for whatever happens in between there, I always look at that's an opportunity to still be able to enjoy yourself or intentionally put yourself in a situation where you get to continue to grow. And I so very much respect what you are doing and how you're thinking about it that way because, well, quite frankly, very few people do that. So again, that's awesome. But help me understand like what led up to this, because I know you and Lisa had been working on this for a while. So mm -hmm. take me through like what happened along the way. What was hard? What was easier about this whole change here? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a roller coaster working with there was ebbs and flows, you know. Yeah. I know she kind of identified pretty early. You know, I'm hearing a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug in there. Can you tell me about that? What's the deal, Jason? <laughs> yeah. And I immediately dismissed it. No, no, that's not for me. That's other people. So we looked at roles that I've had and talked about moving from more of a project management into managing products. Um, so building the software instead of just implementing it. And so kind of went down that route, did some research, networked, uh, applied for some jobs, talked to a bunch of people. And at one point, you know, I think my homework was to connect with, you know, a certain number of people in product management. And, you know, I talked to the first couple and kind of stopped and went, this still isn't right. This feels just kind of like my current job, just, you know, different company, a slightly different role, still not, not what I'm looking for. And, and Lisa and I had to kind of almost kind of backpedal a little bit and go back to the focusing questions. And well, what do you want when you think, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, what do you want your life to look like? And let's break it down backwards from there. And I think it was through that, taking a second step back, and looking at, you know, in 30 years, I would love to have the $4 million and be able to, you know, work whenever I want and do whatever I want. But, you know, how do I start taking steps towards that? So we kind of went down the route of just looking for a different type of job and a different company in a you know, different environment and having to backpedal and say, nope, that still doesn't feel right. So what was that like? being in that where you're going sort of steps forward and then you're essentially testing out is this right for me and then mm -hmm. as you called it kind of backpedaling and coming back and then getting those learnings what was hard about that or what was the most difficult piece of that yeah i think the hardest part for me was to really sit with the topics to really get deep into why do i want to make this change and, and lisa was really good at you know, she'll ask a question during one of our coaching calls and, you know, I'd have one or two or three answers, you know, I could put together pretty easy. And then she would ask me for a fourth and that would get a little bit more challenging. <laughs> and then she'd ask for a fifth and it'd be really hard. And then she'd great. Okay. So tell me a six and then a seven. And it was those six and then the seven reflections or kind of clarifying questions that really got me past just the surface level and getting down into you know, well, what do I really want to do? Like, why am I pursuing product management? Or, you know, why do I really want my own business in the future? And it was having to sit with that because it's uncomfortable to really get down to that, the deep questions of, you know, what do you really want to do in your life? It is uncomfortable. It is. Yeah, it was difficult. That's super interesting. And I love how you're putting that though, because I think that that helps people understand real world, how this stuff actually works. Because I think, logically, we all know that as you're 
tackling these really difficult questions, there's going to be some, you know, steps forward and step back and everything like that. But as you're in that, it's hard, but that's how it actually works. Like you go out, you sort of have this hypothesis based on what you know about yourself, like you're describing, and then you go out and test it like you did with, hey, I'm going to go talk to some of these people with project management. And then in your case, you realized, eh, this ain't the thing right. <laughs> at all. Right. And you come back and I think it does feel like you're almost taking a step backwards. And in reality, you're not. I mean, that's what allows you to then be able to move forward in a different area or begin to get closer to the answer. But I think that so many people get derailed because it does feel like, oh my goodness, I'm taking these steps backwards. So what caused you to keep going or what caused you not to be discouraged ultimately throughout that process? Or did Lisa just have to like grab you by the nose and drag you through? <laughs> There's a little kind of kick in the butt that she did. Absolutely. But you know, I think one thing that's Lisa helped me realize is that following my gut or my intuition is something that has really helped me out. You know, I think it was yeah. it was in part intuition that brought me to coaching. You know, there were a lot of other instances in personal life, right? Relationships with my wife and my family that following my gut instead of my head really paid off. And, you know, being kind of an engineer by default, you know, I tend to be very analytical. I don't like to follow my gut. So it was a little bit of a kind of a, a kick in the pants from Lisa, but also her helping me understand that, you know, what is your gut really saying when you listen to where your heart is pulling you, put your head out of it for a minute and let's really sit with it. That's super interesting. To be quite honest, that is the reason we didn't move to Omaha, Nebraska. Mm. We had an opportunity to be able to move over there with the company I was with at the time. And we'd been talking about this and we had been actively planning to be able to move over there because that's where they were located and went over there, visited it, loved it. But then one day we were talking to each other in the kitchen and realized that we were kind of ignoring that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, we realized that, hey, our plan was to move to Omaha, Nebraska to get some experience so that we could move back to Moses Lake, Washington, ultimately, <laughs> which was our end goal. And we kind of eventually looked at each other across the table and were like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we ignoring our we'd been doing the exact same thing that you were describing mm -hmm. where we were just logicking the crap out of it with our head and totally ignoring our heart. And that's super interesting that you bring that up. So for people that are just starting to pay attention to that, what advice would you give them to push off some of that stuff? Because our head overtakes a lot of the time and start ignoring that gut feeling. How have you done more of that? Yeah, I think you have to create space in your life to sit with it, right? And I think for me, it started in the morning doing you know, journaling, you know, the first 15 minutes or so, I just pull out a notepad and just start writing and, you know, no agenda, just whatever's on my mind. You know, I think just getting in that habit of being more reflective of sitting and just, you know, what am I feeling right now? No questions, no lists, no details, just where am I? And one thing that I did while I was working with Lisa, I actually used some of my paid time off. Uh, so I took about pretty much you know, one day a week for probably two and a half months, you know, so eight, 10 days where I just took a, a Monday off or a Friday or a Wednesday, you know, to kind of switched it up and yeah. just created some space to you know, go for a run, to do some reading, to do some networking and really just to have some time to sit and think and just reflect. So I think that was what was most helpful is just creating a space where there wasn't an agenda, there wasn't a to-do list. It was just sitting down and listening to your gut. That I think is invaluable advice. 
And it is also something that some people might have heard before, creating the space. Mm-hmm. What prompted you to actually do that and actually take action on it, though? Because I think so many of us think about that and we're like, oh, I'm planning on using part of that time off for this other thing over here. And like, mm-hmm. I, how did you prioritize that high enough in, in your life? Because clearly it's paid off for you. But mm-hmm. I don't think when we're on the other end thinking about it, it's hard to see where that payoff is going to be in order to create that space because it's not a straight line type event. It's not like right. if I do this automatically out the other side, I'm going to have these insights and that's going to lead to $4 million in cash and whatever. <laughs> I don't know, whatever right. comes with that, I guess. But yeah, what did you do to allow yourself to take action on it? Yeah, I mean, I think the morning journaling came, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Edrod. Oh, yeah. Just hearing his story about taking care of his lifesavers, you know, uh, scribing, affirmation, visualization, exercise reading, you know, that hearing all of those things, it seemed like I could get up 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier and do some of those things first thing in the morning, you know, why not? So I think that was kind of the first seed that really got me started. But moving to taking the time off, which, you know, it's kind of a big step, but, you know, I had put together a list of, all right, so I know I need to make a change. At least it's helping me see that branching out and doing my own thing is something I'm considering. Where do I want to go with this? And I going back to the analytical mind, I made a list of all the things I could do, right? I could just dive into a side business, full jump out of the airplane, you know, build the parachute on the way down. I could take kind of a part-time job just so I'm not no income while I'm trying to figure things out. Yeah. I could move to a different company, a different role. And, you know, ultimately when I looked at the comprehensive list of everything I wrote down, taking time off just to have some space that just jumped out as the best option. That is super cool. Two things that I'm taking away from that. One is it's those smaller changes earlier on that enable you to move down the path to get to the bigger changes. It was the journaling in this case that allowed you to start to see some of the benefits of that time and space and reflectivity and and then being able to put multiple options in front of yourself to be able to choose and decide what is actually going to be the best fit for me and my life situation. It sounds like that enabled you to look at it holistically and evaluate it in a completely different way versus being in the perpetual, oh no, gosh, what what should I do? Well, I could just go ahead and quit my job, uh, but then, you know, I'm scared for all of these different reasons, and I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But looking at it with many different options allows you to evaluate in a different way, I think, and, and ultimately get to a better decision, in my opinion, at least. Is that what you experienced too? Or Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think kind of you touched on starting small, you know, just what's something I can do. You know, I can get up a little bit earlier and journal for five minutes and then five minutes becomes 10 and 10 becomes 15 and 15 becomes started exploring a career coach and career coach, you know, leads to writing down all the list of everything and have a bad habit of hearing people, oh yeah, you got to create this space and take all this time off and trying to jump right to that. But, you know, breaking it down and doing just one thing, what's something you can do for five minutes every day that moves you one step closer and, and just start there and You'll be surprised at how it builds on itself. I love that. Absolutely love that. So for somebody who is in, they're on the other side of this, they're just now starting to have some of those same feelings that you did, where (laughs) they're recognizing that something is wrong and not totally even sure necessarily what it is yet, but they're starting to stop ignoring that gut feeling anymore. What would you advise them to do after having just gone through this just in the last, geez, what, six months? eight months? Yeah. I started working with 
Lisa in, I guess, January. And so here we are, July. So yeah, just the last, just in six months. Wow. That's super cool. So what, what advice would you have for those people that are on the, on the other side, just getting started in this? Um, great question. You know, I think if you can just take some time, if you have some time this weekend, just to sit and reflect and ask yourself, why does it not feel right? And what am I committed to doing about it? Right. So if, you know, for me, it was journaling that kind of helped get things moving, but you know, maybe it's for someone else, it might be, you know, I physically don't feel great and I need to start exercising, right? Like that looks different for every person. But if I could challenge you, I would say sometime, whatever that means, 15 minutes, half an hour this weekend to sit down and think about if I could just change one place, where would I start? I love that. If I could just change one place, where do I start? And that is how it happens for every single person. Uh, for myself and Alyssa, quite frankly, it was kind of the same thing. Eight, 10 years ago, whatever it's been now, like we were in a ton of debt. And that was a huge, huge issue for us is causing us to fight all the time and all kinds of other bad stuff. Bad stuff happened because of debt. So we wanted to get rid of that. And for us, it was just this tiny, tiny start of actually doing something to begin paying it off slowly. And that led to all kinds of other just crazy life changes down the road. But it starts with one thing. It starts with journaling. It starts with asking that question. It starts with whatever it might be. So I think that is super, super sage advice. I so very much appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show. And you know, before we leave, I've just got one or two more questions for you here, but I really appreciate this. This has been awesome. You know, as you've thought about this in making this change, what parts of it were unexpected for you, especially more recently in the last three months or so? What parts of it just you weren't thinking about or just were completely mm -hmm. unexpected? So ultimately, you know, the role that I'm in now is a little bit of my own creation. So there had been someone that managed the offerings before me. There was individuals that worked on the training development, but they weren't one single team. Yeah. And not working together in kind of the way that I'm trying to get us to work together. So yep. that was trying to create a position out of nowhere. And I was just surprised at, you know, how easy it was once I suggested it that, you know, the leadership team was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I thought I was going to have to put together this big business case and put together, you know, PowerPoints and pull financial statements and do this big elaborate thing. And it was simple as, hey, I think that there's some synergy here. And, and you know, I think it hits my skill set really well. And, you know, I'd like to talk more about it. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. That is super cool. And I'm curious, what do you think was in place at that point already so that when you were suggesting it, it was well received and led down the path to actually creating something new, creating a brand new position yeah. for you? Because not every situation is, is going to flow like that. But I suspect behind the scenes after seeing this lots of times that you probably already created some of the time and place. So what do you think some of those things were? Yeah, I think I had started being pretty transparent with my leadership team that I was working with a career coach that I realized that this wasn't exactly the right fit for me. You know, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go, but that I was pursuing, you know, other opportunities and, you know, I would keep, you know, the team informed of what was going on. And while I'm here, I'm fully committed to my current job. And so I think just being open and honest and coming from a place of value of, you know, I still want the team to be successful. I just know that I'm not going to be my best version if, if I stay in this role. So I think laying some of that groundwork, right? Following the gut and having those scary conversations, but 
you know, because I, you know, felt that it was right. That made the sale at the end a lot easier because I had been open and honest and try to come from a place of value. Interesting. I didn't realize that was part of it, to be honest with you. So I've done a lot of that same thing. But I also know that probably as people are listening to you talk about that and talk about how you shared some of that stuff very openly with them, that probably scares the crap out of them. (laughs) And it scared the crap out of, it sounds like you too, and me too, Mm -hmm. to have some of those conversations. But I've also found that when you do things other people wouldn't do, and you put yourself out there like that, earn the opportunity to be able to develop trust other people wouldn't have. But then at the same time, you end up getting results many times that other people wouldn't get, which is crazy. So what then took place in between there? Was it just you decided, hey, look, I see this opportunity. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to them about it. Or was there more to the story than that? How did it, how did it transpire? No, I mean, it all just kind of fell in place. You know, that I had been seeing that kind of opportunity. I'd been seeing, you know, those portions that I enjoyed and not really having a fully formed thought. And then a different part of the organization was kind of going through a reorganization. Some of the senior leaders were realigning to kind of help our company be built for growth. Recently, I had a few acquisitions. And, you know, I was in my manager's office when he told me about the reorganization. And just like a light bulb went off, like, hey, everything I've been kind of marinating on, thinking of, this would be a perfect time to pitch it. And so I just kind of on a whim, just said, hey, this is something I've been thinking about. I think it works well with the reorganization that's happening. What are your thoughts? And he was like, sounds great. Let's talk to the vice president. Let's get his insight. And he was even more excited than my boss. So it had been marinating for a while. It had been something I've been thinking about, but it just came up and you know, I've been practicing following my gut. So I just put it out there. <laughs> and now I bet you're glad you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That is amazing. Congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. Because uh, I've only gotten to do that over email and haven't had the opportunity to share that with you, I guess, not face-to-face, but as close to face-to-face. Everybody else is going to hear it on audio. But that is absolutely amazing. Hey, thank you again, Jason, for taking the time and making the time. This has been awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, this was great, Scott. I appreciate it. There's something that gets so often missed when we're wanting to make a change in our life of any kind. We're usually focused on what comes next, immediately next. And how do I make that change now, right this second? Here's the reality, though, is it's not just the now and the next that is the reason to make a change. Instead, it's actually what comes much later and what making that initial change has paved the way for that is really the good stuff. And that's why we're bringing Jason back on the podcast tomorrow and airing a much more recent conversation I had with him two years later. So you can see the impact in his life and what making that initial change and having those initial awkward conversations with his boss to create a role that fit him. Well, you can see how that turned out and all the things that opened up for him in the future. So make sure to check out that recent conversation tomorrow. Best way to do that, by the way, is to make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. That way it comes to your device, your smartphone automatically in your sleep. If you're already subscribed, share the episode with a friend that needs a little help with their career. Or if you want help, just like Jason got two years ago, and you're ready to do the hard work, 
the very best way to figure out what type of help you need is just email me directly, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Put conversation in the subject line, and I'll introduce you to my team, and we can get on the phone with you, get on video chat with you, and figure out the very best type of help that you need in your situation so that you can reach your career and life goals and stop settling. Scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Conversation in the subject line. I'll look out for it. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, right back here with Jason Bullman, two years later.